Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome again to another session of self-coaching. Welcome back. I, um, I've been a little, I, I'm just trying to realize that a lot of, a lot of my, my podcasts seem to kind of uh, gravitate around certain themes and certain concepts. And certainly one of the more typical concepts that you'll, you'll hear, especially if you've been listening to my podcast, is the concept of self-trust. Now, self-trust is the basis of true mental health. It is the absence of self-trust that drives everything, and we'll put that in quotes, everything neurotic. So when, when we lack self-trust, we rely on various other strategies to protect ourselves from life's challenges. Because again, without trust, you're vulnerable. You're in a world where you feel, you know, doubts and fears, negatives. So and let's call it a self-trust muscle. It's easier to visualize it that way. So if you are self-trust, and I say your self-trust muscle, I mean, everyone has a self-trust muscle. It's like everyone has a bicep. Uh, we, we have a self-trust muscle. Trust me on this. And the, the question, the real question is whether or not your self-trust muscle is in fact muscular or whether it's atrophied. So it's not whether you possess the capacity, the potential for self-trust. It's whether or not it has become atrophied and neglected to the point where it doesn't serve you. So how do we, how do we fortify? How do we get that uh, self-trust B12 shot? How can we begin to trust ourselves to handle life more, more effectively, less neurotically, with less worry? with less dread. Well, there's a, I guess it's one of my many favorite Zen adages. And the, the adage is, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. <laughs> now I know it, it sounds rather gruesome and, you know, no one wants to go around killing the old Buddha. I mean, it just seems like that's a cruel thing to do, right? But from a psychological perspective, you need to understand this. So if you're walking along a mountain path, and there in the distance comes the Buddha, and the Buddha represents enlightenment, right? And you get closer to the Buddha, now you have a choice. You can either kill the Buddha or accept the Buddha, the Buddha that's walking toward you. The reason you are instructed to kill the Buddha is because any enlightenment that comes from the outside, any enlightenment that doesn't come from within you, 
is a false Buddha. These are the false Buddhas of our life. Power, money, status. Now, these are all the false Buddhas that attract us, and we think that's where our meaning is going to be. We're going, once we have that, then we'll have everything. My mother, my mother used to pray that I never got rich. And I, I was, <laughs> I kind of chuckled at it, but I, I only now realize that what she really meant was like killing the Buddha, was like, stop looking for those things outside of myself. And, you know, and, and her wishing that I never got wealthy, of course, had to do with the, the corrupting influences of wealth and all that kind of stuff. But she was absolutely right. And you need to recognize that what we need from you is to find the Buddha, the enlightenment, the way within you. And that way is through self-trust. Now, as I say, self-trust is a muscle. And we need to find ways to exercise that muscle. And it begins with a willingness to believe that you have this potential, that you have this potential to trust yourself. Now, what does it mean to trust ourselves? Well, maybe it's a little easier to talk about the opposite. When we distrust ourselves, what do we do? We compensate. When we distrust ourselves, we feel vulnerable. And we're looking to find ways to feel less out of control and less vulnerable. And go back to money, power, status. These are the false Buddhas, the illusions that if I had that, if I can only get there, then, then I'll find the security I need. Then I'll be able to trust my power, my influence over others, the money I've accumulated. That will make me feel invulnerable. Baloney, right? <laughs> Go back to my mother. It's not true. It's not true. I mean, we recently saw the, the Johnny Depp uh, debacle played out in court. Um, and whether you've watched it or not, it, it is a, a testimony to the fact that money, no matter how much you have, and these, this former couple had millions and millions, as it, as it turns out, and their lives were a shamble. Uh, so what do we get when we abandon the false goals, the false gods, the false Buddhas? We, we realize that we also need to give up some of those compensatory things that we do, those neurotic things that we do. And perhaps the most ubiquitous, the most pervasive of all compensatory things that we do to feel safe and not vulnerable would be worrying. Worrying is just a quintessential attempt to compensate for a lack of self-trust, for an atrophied self-trust muscle. So rather than rely on the muscle, you know, it's like if you, if you kind of sprain an ankle or something and you're, you're given crutches, in time, 
you have to exercise that ankle and, and rehab it and give up those crutches. If you don't give up the crutches, what happens? The muscles, the tendons uh, eventually atrophy and, and you will not be able to walk without the aid of a crutch. Well, it's the same with these controlling strategies of which worrying is probably, as I've said, the most prevalent. Avoidance would be another, even hostility, pushing people away, things that make us feel in control. These are strategies of control, perfectionism, compulsivity. These are strategies of control. And if we rely on them like a crutch that should have been abandoned years ago, what happens? Well, our self-trust muscle becomes weaker and weaker, and we have to rely more and more on our neurotic controlling strategies. So rather than building ourselves up, we're really weakening ourselves. And like I said, it's a willingness to believe. So you begin with the premise that you really could trust yourself to handle life without worrying about what's coming around the corner before it comes, without hiding into your turtle shell and avoiding life. You know, it may be as simple as, oh, I'm, I, I don't want to go up and talk to my neighbor. I, I, I'm afraid what he or she might say. Well, maybe it's just a matter of walking out the door and kind of making something happen and realizing that you can handle it, that it's insecurity that says no. It's insecurity that says I can't. And it's insecurity that says what if. So as you begin to challenge some of the reflexive aspects of insecurity, your reflexive knee-jerk ways of avoiding trusting yourself by pulling further and further away from trust and more and more reliant on trying to control life through various controlling strategies, what you do is you're building a life of glass, a life that can shatter and, and the reason it can shatter, because look at the foundation. It's not built on self-trust. It's like a house of cards. It's built on your compensatory strategies working for you. Think of it as a juggle. You have all these controlling strategies, worry, control, perfectionism, compulsivity, and you juggle, juggle, juggle. As long as they're working, you know, you feel life goes on. You're feeling relatively in control. Things are good. You just bought a new Jaguar. Everything's great. Until the controlling juggle falters. And as those controlling strategies come crashing down, you're left with, well, you're left vulnerable. The thing you've been trying most to avoid. So it is imperative that to really be fearless, if you will, in life, is, is to be reliant on you, your trust muscle. Because with self-trust, you may not know how you're going to handle the challenges of tomorrow, but be reasonable about it. How many challenges have you handled to date? Hundreds, thousands. You've gotten through one way or another, but you are a survival machine. Whether you can accept that and embrace it or not, 
your survival instincts are there. You don't have to worry, what will I do if? Well, if comes along and says, you know, I'm going to... You will react, whatever it is and whatever comes along your way that threatens you. In any given moment, your instincts are there. Your intuition is there. Your learning is there. And in that moment, it comes to the fore. But the neurotic person, the insecure person, doesn't trust that. Of course not. They trust their compensatory strategies of control. So rather than saying, when a challenge confronts me, I'll handle it, the insecure person says, well, but what if, and what if, and what if, and what if? So the insecure person is trying to figure it all out to anticipate they want to know what's coming around that corner before it comes around the corner. It's reading tea leaves. It's being prepared. It's doing everything you can to handle life with one exception, without really handling it from a place of self-trust. So building your self-trust muscle, where do we begin? If you've been excessively reliant on trying to control life, if you're a worry wart first class and you, you've done nothing but worry, 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 then, then it's, you know, that by the way, just as an aside, that there was a, um, a study, a survey in, in London, and they, would, they, they wanted to know how, how much of our lives are consumed with worrying. And, the, and this is astounding. The average lifespan of a 65-year-old person, four years, 11 months of your life spent worrying or having worry thoughts. Four years of your life. Can you imagine that? You probably can't. You probably don't think that your worrying is such a big deal. But look at how it erodes. Look at how much time is wasted worrying, worrying. Hmm. The reason we worry incessantly and neurotically, because there is a good kind of worrying. You know, if a Cat 5 hurricane is coming and you're a little worried that the limb that's right over your house that's old and, and kind of uh, corrupted will fall. You know, that's anticipating, but there is definite connection to reality. It's proportionate, it's rational. So there is some good, and I'm using the term loosely, some good worrying, but most worrying is of the neurotic sort. That's where it's disproportionate, irrational. But if the tree falls down and my house caves in and I'm caught in the debris and I can't get out and no one hears me. Yeah, <laughs> that's the insecurity driven, disproportionate, irrational aspect of trying to control life. Now, your worry thoughts maybe aren't that hysterical. I understand that. But every time you concede to worry instead of handling life, what you're doing is you're reinforcing the worry habit vis-a-vis -vis insecurity, and thereby insecurity grows as a muscle at the expense of self-trust. Self-trust is the answer to a life that is less contaminated, less stressed, and more productive, a healthier life. So how do you become more self-trusting? Well, maybe you can't even imagine it, but I want you to try. Let's try to develop what we might call a trust persona, all right? So imagine, imagine what you would be like if you could trust yourself. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a bridge too far. Maybe this will make it easier. 
think of someone you know who you would say is really a secure, self-trusting person, someone that handles life, someone that handles challenges. All right, you know, take a minute, find someone that you know that does that. Or it could be a character in, in, in a movie, or it could be someone that you don't know, but someone you admire from TV, whatever. But find someone who you can feel represents what you feel is a trusting, rather courageous, healthy human being. And what you do is you put yourself in various positions where when you're challenged, ask yourself, it's a simple exercise. What would so-and-so do in this situation? Now, if so-and-so, this trusting persona that you're, you're talking about, if so-and-so would do ABC and, and you say, hmm, I never thought of that. I would never do ABC because I'm too frightened and blah, 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 blah. But if you see what the trusting person would do, and that's the ABC, whatever it is they might do, and it at least gives you a hint that here you are and here would be the way of a trusting person, of a self-trusting person. So it, it puts you in a position of choice. You can, you can at least realize it rather than being unconscious of what you could be doing. So the self-trusting person, instead of worrying, might go next door, knock on the neighbor's door and introduce themselves and say, hi, how do you do? As opposed to being in your house saying, I'm afraid what the neighbor may think of me. Uh, silly example, but nevertheless, a, 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 a trust persona can help you ferret out what a more healthy approach might be, because maybe you can't relate it to yourself right now, because all you've known is control, control, control. So develop a trust persona. And every time you conjure up that image of that person, the mere fact that you're putting yourself in a position to try to say, now, what, what does that person do different than what I do? And how do they, and what, and why, where, and, and you'll start to get a sense of that in you, which needs to be awakened. My whole theory of self-coaching is based on the fact that we have gravitated away from self-trust because of the vulnerabilities of our life, we've developed controlling strategies. So the self-trust muscle in time does atrophy if our need to control life accelerates. Over-control life. Of course, just like good worry, bad worry, there's good control, bad control. Good control, wearing seatbelts, taking vitamins, no question there, that's okay. But it's the over-controlling life that kind of gets everything else out of whack and we become neurotic. And, you know, basically a neurotic person is someone who fears they can't handle naturally what comes their way. So you're walking along that path and you see that Buddha. What does the self-trusting person do? Well, you don't, you don't necessarily have to kill the Buddha. You could turn away and walk away from the Buddha. You don't have to engage the Buddha. So, you know, if you're, if you're a bit unhappy with having to kill the poor Buddha, just recognize that false Buddhas, false truths, controlling life, controlling life is never the answer. And, and this, this may sound a little black and white, but trying to over-control life is always the problem. I see a lot of emotional struggle, and for over 40 years in my practice, I've seen 
every kind of struggle you can imagine. And I don't think I've ever seen any struggle that wasn't rooted in a lack of self-trust. Now, I know that sounds rather sweeping, but it happens to be true. And it's the compensatory life that we live, live because of this lack of self-trust that creates anxieties, depression, moods, conflict in relationships. All of these things can be traced back to the insecurity that has not been addressed with self-coach, but has been addressed with trying to control life. Sounds rather simple, doesn't it? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when I started to devise my, my theory of self-coaching, I, I always wanted to look for that common sense in psychology. I was always turned off by the, you know, the collective unconscious, the id, the ego, the, you know, all of those theories and things that the layperson just kind of feels, oh man, psychology is this deep, dark cavern of arcane thinking. It's not. Psychology essentially is common sense. You're born into a world where there are challenges, insecurities, not perfect parents, loss, death. There's all kinds of things that lead to that inherent insecurity that we all have as, as humans. You know, we, we come into a world where we are vulnerable creatures and we develop insecurity. But what and how that insecurity gets manifested is so important. For someone with a good nurturing and loving environment, of course, they have a much better chance of mitigating that insecurity. For someone who's into a home and developmental years are strewn with alcoholic parents, lack of love, disruption, you know, of course, then the insecurity is more substantial. And for a young developing child who doesn't have the resources to think through and look for that self-trust, of course, they'll just cling to any, any strategy that works. Crying, bullying, running away, avoiding, worrying. And as these habits of control start to get reinforced, of course, they become constellated now as our personality, the persona that we are, that the persona that we struggle with. So what we have to realize is that who we are today is the end result of all the habits. And if you are struggling, it is all the habits of control that have ensued that create the stress. I mean, take worrying. Worrying creates stress. You know, we don't worry about things going right. When we worry about chaos, tomorrow's chaos, it stresses us. Stress depletes. You know, stress is that emotional fight or flight, you know, adrenaline cortisol reaction where we stress, our body stress, our mind stress. And anxiety, depression, these, these are the, the mental reactions to our control juggle faltering. So I've always worked my patients with my patients and with myself included to recognize that the answer to self-struggle is, in fact, self-coaching. We need to coach ourselves to fight the good fight, to look for that self-trust persona, to realize that we have to confront that which we'd rather avoid or sidestep and sometimes develop muscle 
Do those things, the small things at first. Do the things that you'd rather avoid. But by all means, give up the false hopes, the false gods, the false Buddhas. Stop looking outside of yourself for what you need. Because from a self-coaching perspective, the only thing you need, if you are involved in wanting happiness in your life as you should be, the only thing you need is to develop that self-trust muscle. And you know what? You know quite well that if you want to develop muscular biceps, you go to the gym and you do some reps. Is it easy? Maybe not. But if you keep doing it, and if you persevere, what happens? The muscle grows. Self-trust is the same way. You can't expect one thought, one victory to make a change in your entire life. Do this every day. Work on trusting yourself, believing in yourself. And it's as simple as just saying, I've handled many things. I'm just going to go and handle this. That's self-trust. Insecurity wants you to run the other way. Insecurity says, no, what do I do? And what if? And what? That's insecurity. That's not you. You can be more than your insecurity. Insecurity is a habit. We learned insecurity. We weren't born insecure. But we can neutralize our insecurities. We can neutralize them to the point where our rational decision to handle life becomes more in play. And the more we reinforce that, the more we get that muscular self-trust going, then, well, your happiness is ensured. So that's all I've got this week. And again, I just wanted to reiterate that for me, self-trust is its the alpha, the omega. It's the beginning. It's the end of all things that need to happen in psychology. And it's just straightforward common sense. Don't make it more complicated. I wish you well. And I'll see you next week. You know, and, and visit my website. You know, there's a lot more information there. It's selfcoaching.net. And until next time, remember that you know, being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. You know, by definition, victims are powerless. And you're not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me each week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and